This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Extra Portion, the main podcast featuring more from the world of Delicious Magazine with me, Jenny Smith. This week we meet Luke Cowdery, who, with fellow globe trotting DJ Justin Crawford, created a new food scene in Manchester, first at Volta and now at the super glamorous refuge in the city's stunning principal hotel. He told me how music and travel have created a cool new food scene in this northern powerhouse. Musically, there was a there was an era from 85 to 92 where a lot of DJs, musicians, artists and restaurateurs are now sort of coming into their own. So the Clove Club, for instance, uh, in London, we know those guys... Um, there's you know people like um, people, DJs like the Chemical Brothers who were all going at Manchester University, Manchester Polytechnic at the same time. It's all sort of come through, and I, I kind of agree that I think there was a lot of um, people cut their teeth travelling the world in the late eighties and nineties, discovering this incredible food, but not just the food, the way they did it. So it was the culture around it. It was very sleeves rolled up. It was very relaxed, no pretension. That music thing is is very street, isn't it? Yeah. And and food comes from the street. Yeah. And also, the promoters tended to be they wanted we we either asked them to or they took you to places where they ate, which said to be more authentic. So you went on the, you know, the B sides, the back street, off grid to have this incredible food, which ordinarily you probably wouldn't have tasted in Rome. Had, I mean, we we always used to wind the promoters up and said we've just eaten in Milan and their food's amazing. So they were always on the toes to make it better than the last city. Uh, but also in like a better Australia went and we discovered that the food was fantastic but it was the service it was like if you combine the service of Australia with the food of Barcelona, Rome, San Sebastian then you had this amazing model so when me and Justin were sort of DJing travelling around the world and places when we started Electric Bar we wanted to take that whole kind of um, a place wherein you can get great coffee great cocktails, craft beer, wine food under one umbrella kind of thing and that definitely back then if you want in britain if you want to find wine you went to a wine bar if you went to good coffee you went to a, it was all segregated now it's all coming to one and i think it was brought back by like-minded nomadic travelers who tended to be um into music who bought sort of crept that stuff back in yeah, you know because i think that you know what you're doing is you're so we've got sitting in front of us and we've got beetroot pakoras with tamarind Sauce, would you call well, that? Well, it's, it's, it's really a taramin ketchup, I guess. There's a bit of acidity, a bit of sweetness in there. Uh, and these beetroot pakoras, again, you know, um, I think we had kind of... A, it, it, was, it was a really difficult tagline to make for Vols before we came here because it, 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 was, it was tapas in the sense it was small sharing plates, but it wasn't tapas in the sense it wasn't directly linked to 
a Pacific national cuisine. It was more of a global take on flavours. So you could have things which weren't necessarily meant to go together, but still worked in a tapas style. So we've got um, duck, melon, kind of salad here, of the pakora. But we all these things kind of sit together and work together. Duck so, and watermelon, and it's important to say the watermelon because it looks so beautiful. Yeah. And so there's lots of stuff on the menu that isn't strictly a tapa. So the small plates kind of uh, banner involves so many flavours. We we you know like we, I don't think we've ordered them today, but there's some croquettes which we we, we when I went to um, in San Sebastian, the, the croquettes there were just fantastic. So there's I just think we yeah we were trying to bring back all the best elements. I don't know what it is, but anywhere east east of uh, if you if you take Portugal, Lisbon, and go any I think everything east of that down the Mediterranean, the food is about sharing. And I think the North Europeans, it's so cold. Maybe it harks back to the Vikings, and Anglo-Saxons, that people got their plate of stodge and put their arms around it and stabbed anyone that touched their food. Whereas I think the the Lebanese, the east the eastern Med. Uh, North Africa, there's just more of a tradition, and it goes right through to Thailand. You get that all the way through, but people share food, yeah. and, and, and Arabic especially. But we we love that. We love that style. It's social. That sharing thing. Yeah. You know, this is northern. This is cold in the winter. I wouldn't have thought it was the perfect place for sharing plates. You're right, but I think in a way, you know, the north has changed. I mean. <laughs> Funnily enough, I've just seen that apparently Barnsley in 70 years will be the best place of growing uh, wine due to global warming, but that's something else. But at the moment, I think the world's changed. I think in Manchester, people are more likely to go, if you're 2021 and you're excited about the world, you're more likely to go to San Sebastian and Seville and to Naples and to Berlin and Thailand and places and bring, so the, the, you know, there's this nomadic class of people who travel and they come back to Manchester and they live here and it's, the world has changed. You know, I worked selling coffee 25 years ago cappuccino people said what's ca-? they didn't know what cappuccino was they were asking for frothy coffee yeah. small plates was as, you know I think when I first told my family about it they're saying who wants small plates I don't want to share food yeah. there is a but that's changing and I think the world is more cosmopolitan immigration has had a positive influence on the on the cuisine uh, throughout the whole country and I think you know when your food is so bad, like it was in Britain for so long, when it gets good, it bizarrely, there are no parameters to it. You can just do what you want, and the influences are bigger. The Italians and the French are remarkably conservative. They won't use coriander. Actually, that will be why the British are doing so well, in that there's more openness to influence. And then, actually, we've got amazing produce. So we have an ox cheek here, which is slow-cooked, and there's a lot of Thai influence in there. But those flavours really work with other plates. I mean, the Lebanese do it best, I think, because where they have a meze and sharing plates, everything works in its own right. But also, together, you can Lego build ten plates which all work together. And I think my mum grew up in North Manchester, where there was a big Jewish community, which became Bengali, which became um, now people from Hong Kong and China. So they there's actually a, there is quite a lot of diversity here. Yeah. Probably not as extreme as London, but that, I, I would say that's quite an, a good example of you know real high-level mixing. But in Manchester, there's still been a lot of um, uh, immigration here, which is, which has affected uh, the, the food scene here. The Curry Mile in Manchester, a bit like Brick Lane, yeah. was the Bengalis back in the sixties yeah. and seventies. You know, it, let's be honest, <laughs> we get knocked for saying it, but it probably is the it, it is the, the second city in the sense that I think. 
all the influence now is coming very much back here and it's, it's been a bit of um, it's holding the flag now for all the things that uh, are about new food and ideas yeah. and what do you think about the northern powerhouse idea Manchester kind of always was a powerhouse from industrial revolution onwards I think the, the city on by its own path and development in the last 30 years has it, it's developed in a way that no other northern city has really Sheffield and Manchester were not far off each other 30 years ago one was bigger than the other obviously Manchester was bigger but Manchester has just developed I mean in a sense you know all, all the um, I th- there's so much political discussion around it but I think uh, there's no choice about it now Manchester's become there is so much tourism here there's so much, and, and, and that's nothing but a good thing uh, there's, there's, you know I like the fact there's a skyline here now I like the new buildings I like the new degree of confidence that is happening I like the fact that uh, altering a market gets 10,000 people a week going to it and it costs nothing and it was run by people who live locally I also like the fact that a brand can come from London here and do well which is Hawksmoor I'm also aware the brands that come in don't do well because they don't understand the city so we, we just yes it's a powerhouse but it's yeah, distinct authenticity isn't it I mean a lot yeah. of the, the really good stuff in, in food and music is about authenticity yeah. when, and, and there's that lovely moment and festivals do it yeah. really well where you get that thrill yeah. and it's a moment where you recognise that people are, that is about authenticity you know I agree a mansion never had a super club in all those years we did music the hacienda was a heartfelt passionate um, thing that was in fact your record run by Tony Wilson but event- it wasn't really a, a brand in the sense that Ministry of Sound or Cream was it, Manchester isn't really into that oh, we, we now have the Warehouse Project which has been an amazing event that has, um, was locally born but it's very esoteric the bookings are very specific to Manchester but it's had an international outlook so you know when it happens 10,000 people a week come into the city for this event Manchester National Festival is reflective of a, of a different. So Manchester, some people, a lot, a lot of other Northerners that I, I'm from Sheffield have knocked Manchester for its confidence. But in a way, it's become it's gone back to its original kind of outlook, where there was a degree of um, a cockiness and a bit of strutting that happened. So in that sense, um, and we like a little cockiness and strut in our food, don't we? Yeah, and I and I so you know, uh, there's a bit of humour in it too. We, we we've got a Manchester kebab on, which is. Um, from Robert Owen Brown, one of our finest chefs, who has created um, a, uh, a Yorkshire pudding mix, which rolls out flat like a flatbread, and we use our shawarma, which we'll have in a minute. Goes in the middle with uh, Vimto sriracha rolled up, and it's cut. It sounds novelty, but actually, it's beautiful. So, yeah, uh, I, I think Manchester has, has changed dramatically, and I think, it's, you know, arguably, some people think it, 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 it's more sanitised, it's more commercial now in the way that Barcelona is. There's a degree of truth to that, but at the same time, it, it's walked forwards and big steps, and it's a much more international city now. And in that sense, it's amazing. Tell me about the Michelin, the no Michelin story. Does I mean, it matter? Beautiful. Ooh, so that's Hake. That's a show. Imagine it's never had a Michelin star. Well, you know, I always think like this. I remember a very good friend of mine, she was always trying to find the perfect man, and this was a long, long time ago, and she had this, you know, this list, and she never did find that man. I think when you're looking for him so desperately, you don't do it. Goodness and, and reward for that and reciprocation for being amazing at what you do happens when you're not desperately trying to get it. No one gets a Michelin by running so clinically and cynically creating a restaurant built to get one it will happen 
because you love what you do and it is amazing. I think Manchester will very soon get a Michelin and I think someone like where the light comes in and stop or will be someone like there where if you speak to these guys there is no interest whatsoever in a Michelin but they probably are centimetres away from being at a level where it's probably as good as anything I've ever tasted. I think so the Michelin to me it's a it, it's kind of a, a red herring in the sense that I think we've I think I were, you know, we probably weren't good enough for a while, but I think there are places now that are coming to that. But produce amazing food, and then it, they, it will come. Some of the places that have gone for it, they're really good, but I've had better. So I think Manchester's still not finished its journey yet. And I think when, when one happens, everyone's going to realise it happens because it's about those people doing it love what they did and it tastes in the food so that's where I think yeah so just talk talk me through what we've got here this so we've had the pakora and this is hake there's a a pea puree and white beans here Um, this is artichoke which originally we did with a chicken stock Um, this is a kind of a French sort of influenced dish Um, and yeah again quite simple there's not a lot of there's not a lot to it really uh, quite simple peasant like idea isn't it absolutely. you know just really you know, su- su- sweet I mean, and back easy back to Cal and, and places eventually like Barafina that took great influence from that and hopefully we did too was that you don't need a lot of ingredients on a plate to make it amazing like the River Cafe 30 years early was about just great ingredients very simple and we didn't want lots of French sauce and over the top kind of um, just very simple for listening to the delicious podcast don't forget to subscribe rate and review it on your podcast app see you next week Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? 
All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 